If you would turn again to our scripture that we looked at yesterday, two openings please, Mark the 11th chapter and 2 Corinthians the 4th chapter. In Mark 11:22, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. The just live by faith. The just walk by faith. In the very next verse, he gives us uh, what could be the principal application of his instruction of how to have faith in God. Verse 23, For verily I say to you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. There's a lot of references to saying there, isn't there? If you'll say, don't doubt, but believe that what you say comes to pass. You'll have what you say. How many believe that? Amen. Hallelujah. You'll have what you say. Now, if you, if you just take that out of the, the verse and just say that on its own, then that's not entirely so. It is possible to say some things and not have them if you don't believe it. Right? He said if you'll believe a thing, you say it and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that what you say comes to pass, you'll have what you say that you're believing in your heart. Amen will come to pass, you'll have what you say. Has this worked for anybody in here? Huh? Can you testify? Did it make you happy when, it, when what you said came to pass? Yeah. Well, could, it, could it work again for you? Yeah. What if you said, I'll pay off every debt? What if you said that and really believed it in your heart and didn't doubt it? And you just kept saying it and kept believing it and kept saying it, what would happen? What if you said, my body is whole and strong from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. My body is whole and strong. My body is whole and strong. I can do anything I want to do. I can eat anything I want to eat. I can go anywhere I want to go. What if you said that and didn't doubt in your heart but believed that what you said would come to pass according to the Lord Jesus? What would happen? You would have what you say. Wonder if you said all the time, things go well for me. I have great favor. People just look at me and like me and don't know why. <laughs> and want to do something for me. Things just, just flow for me. Hallelujah. What if you said that all the time and you didn't doubt in your heart, but you believed that what you were saying was coming to pass according to the master, the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, what would happen? You would have what you say. If you really believe this and this is real, it's exciting. You get excited about it. Hallelujah. I get excited. I get more excited about this today than I did 20-something years ago the first time I heard it. Much more. I know more about it now. 
I've seen it work more. Hallelujah. And I can speak with more faith than I could then. I can speak with more expectation. I can put more faith into my words. Hallelujah. That's also a reason, and it's the same with, with many of you. You you put more faith in your words than you used to, and that's all the more reason why you ought not be saying wrong things. Good things will work stronger and quicker, so will bad things. You just develop in your saying, you develop in your words. And man, there's a you know, there's any number of things you just couldn't get me to say. Because I believe in my words. I just would refuse to say it because I believe if I say it and believe it, it comes to pass. Go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians if you're holding your place there. Said out loud on your way over there, I believe in the words of Jesus. I believe in Mark 11, 23. I've had people say, well, that don't work for everybody. You know, it just... It just don't work for everybody like that. Oh, yes, it does. It works for Christians as well as non-Christians. It works for Baptists and Pentecostals and Presbyterians and Lutherans and Catholics all just alike. Oh, no, it don't work for everybody. Well, listen to what they're saying. They're saying it doesn't work for me. What they mean, it doesn't work for me positively. So they believe that and they say that and guess what? It's not working for them positively, but it is working for them negatively. Well, that don't work for me. I don't ever get anything. It just worked. (laughs) I said, it just worked. You said you don't get anything. You mean good. You believe that. And now what's happening? You're having what you say. What you say is coming to pass. Beware of terms like I always, I never. Watch what you're putting after that. We don't ever. What comes next? It better be we don't ever get defeated. (laughs) We don't ever run out of money. (laughs) Hallelujah. We always, well, I always, you know, the, you know, always this time of the year, the kids get the sniffles. It seems like one of them's got it. If the other don't have it, they give it to the rest. And we always. And watch about this my stuff and, and what you put on the end of my allergies. My migraines. I can't do this. Oh, I can't, I can't eat seafood. I break out in hives. I can't be around cats. I'm allergic to cats. You say you are, you believe you are, and you is. But if you could get a hold of that thing right up under your nose... And begin to turn it and change it. Hallelujah. Like James says, it's the steering wheel. It's, I, I added that. It's the rudder. It's the bit and bridle in the horse's mouth. It's the means whereby you can change that. We've seen it. 
I, uh, I know we've had any number of people when I was working in healing school at Brother Hagin's ministry that came in that had different forms of uh, allergic conditions and they had all kind of big names for it besides that. But I mean, there were people that were allergic to pets and cats and, and, and uh, flowers and certain plants and, and people that were allergic to people. That's right, I'm not kidding. One, one person said they was allergic to people. And people that's allergic to any kind of perfume or any kind of cologne or any kind of that kind of thing. One person was supposed to be allergic to the air. That's a problem, ain't it? <laughs> allergic to the air. And you know, in, in the majority of these cases, as you begin to get into them, these people have something of a pride. In their allergy, they feel like it makes them special some way. I'm ultra sensitive. You know, you're, you're just an old coarse fella. Nothing bothers you. <laughs> Thank God. But I'm, I'm ultra sensitive and I can't be around any of this. And I've seen people just go from one stage of it. What it is is fear. One stage of fear to the next until they couldn't, you know, all this kind of stuff they can't eat, all this kind of stuff they can't be around. People get to the place where they just are in their house with masks and gloves on. It's sad, but there's a number of people like that. People say, well, I can't help it. Yes, you can. It's not my fault I'm like this. Are you sure? I have seen, we have, I'm thinking of a guy right now, I mean, he had had major problems with seafood all his life. I mean, he liked it, but he, every time he ate it, he broke out knives and just whelps and had to go to the doctor and everything else. So he just got where he wouldn't eat it. He came and spent two weeks with us in healing school. We talked about these things. We talked about being redeemed from the curse of the law. And it's real interesting, if you go over to Deuteronomy 28, if we had time, and look through the different translations and the things we've been redeemed from, some of the modern language it brings it over into is very significant. And one of the things that it covers is allergies and reactions. You won't see that in the King James, but if you look up some of the phrases, you'll see it. We've been redeemed from these kind of things. Hallelujah. And we begin to talk about that and camp on that. He got it. He got it about middle, uh, at the end of the first week, I should say. And man, he began to work on that. He came to me end of the week. He said, I've had two big lobster dinners. <laughs> and he said, not even a bump. <laughs> and he said, it don't bother me. I can eat anything I want to. And it don't bother me. Why? He began to say that, he began to believe that, and his body changed. Somebody said, well, it's just my, it's just my system. Your system can change. God can tweak your system. No reason for you to be bound. But the way to change it is to get a hold of your mouth, get a hold of your words. If you change what you're saying, you change your life. James said, you know, if you control, if you don't miss it and don't offend in what you say, you're able, you're a perfect man and able to control your whole body. James, what is it, 3, 2, able to control your whole body. That's Bible. How many believe that? Yes. Say it out loud. According to the Bible, I can control my body with my mouth, with my words. 
Hallelujah. If you, know, if, you, if you get a bad report, don't just accept it and say, well, that's the way it is. I've got a weak immune system. I've got a weak this or that. No. Begin to work on it. Hallelujah. Begin to put your words on it and call it strong and tell it. Don't let, let it tell you what it's going to do. It's your body. You're in charge. Tell it what it's going to do. Amen. Say, I, you're my eye. You're going to see the way I tell you to. You're going to see straight. Ear, you're my ear, and I'm telling you, you're going to hear. Kidneys, you're my kidneys, and if I say you're going to work, then in the name of Jesus, you're going to work. Work! And if you just stay after that morning, noon, and night, and day after day, and week after week, and you say it, and you don't doubt what you say, but believe that what you say will come to pass, according to Jesus, the head of the church, what's going to happen? You will have whatever you're saying. I believe it, don't you? Second Corinthians, are you there? Boy, I have to watch. You guys are so easy to preach to. I got all these notes here, but I'll just preach and tell stories. Second Corinthians 4. Verse 13. We, having the same spirit of faith, same as Abraham, same as Joseph, same as Moses, same as David, same as Daniel, same as Joshua. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have what? Spoken. We also believe and so we speak. We believe so we speak. We won't take the time, but yesterday we went into James, the first chapter, and saw that it talked about being a doer of the word. And then immediately after that, which is it didn't change subjects, it just flows right into it. It talks about that if you don't control and bridle your tongue and your words, your religion is vain. I submit to you that the number one way of being a doer of the word is speaking the word of God. Then you see chapter 2 of James and he talks about faith without action or works is dead. And he goes through uh, examples that way. And in the third chapter, which it just all flows together, he begins to talk about your words. And goes into great detail about if you, can, if you control your words, you control your body, you control your life. I submit to you that speaking words is the number one way, the principal way of acting your faith. Releasing you. Faith comes by hearing. Faith is released, number one, by saying. There are other actions that can accompany it, but saying's always going to be involved. And with many things, in fact, some of the greatest miracles you could ever see or hear about, with many of them, no other action is required but saying. Saying alone will do it. Prime example, the new birth. Amen. Now, as we said, one of the biggest problems is people failing to see the significance of saying, failing to see the significance of words. People scoff and make fun of us, call us that, name it and frame it and blab it and grab it and confess it, possess it bunch and all these kind of things. Because to them, it sounds like we're saying that we can just say something and poof, there it is. 
To them it sounds like hocus pocus, abracadabra, say it and bam, there it is. But it's because they do not see the significance of their own words. They do not realize that we're made in God's image. And the way he operates is he sees and has vision and believes something within himself. And he releases his faith through his words and it creates. He said, let there be light and we, many have not understood that when you're operating in faith, when you're saying something, you are doing something. You can both create and destroy through faith-filled words. Some things need to be destroyed, like tumors and cancers. And you can flat kill cancer with faith-filled words. You can command it to die. Amen. And not doubt, but believe that what you say comes to pass. And cancer cannot stand before faith-filled words. You can command tumors to shrink up and dry up and shrivel up and leave. Amen. I've seen it. I've seen it happen over a period of months. I've seen it happen over a period of days. I've seen it happen under my hand in milliseconds. The power of God is real. And its faith is real and it's released primarily through our words. You can tell people are not convinced about the importance and impact of their words by the way they talk. And this is all a plan of the enemy. The the devil's been working on this for centuries and centuries, trying to get us confused and deceived into the point where we despise saying. Because he does not want us ruling and reigning in this life. He wants to dominate. And he knows when we realize how to do it, then he's going to lose control. Everywhere we are and everywhere we have uh, dominion, when we know how to do it, He's going to lose that influence and control. But too bad. We're, we're learning. We, we've done some, but how many know we can do a whole lot more, a whole lot more. And it's going to be in direct correlation with our vision and our faith, which is released primarily through our words. I want to continue this morning driving home through scripture after scripture after scripture. The, the reality of how important our words are. We started yesterday, but go back with me to Proverbs, please. The sixth chapter. And let's just take our time. I'm going to give you a couple of different translations on some of these. And uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, you might smile at your neighbor that has one and slide over. They might let you look on. And just let your eyes... Rest on these words and see if we have been taking our words as seriously as God told us to and intended for us to. In Proverbs chapter 6 and the second verse, we looked at this one yesterday, we'll look at it again. He said, you are snared with the words of your mouth. You are taken with the words of of your mouth. Another translation, the BAS says, uh, You are taken as in a net by the words of your mouth. The sayings of your lips have overcome you. Can your mouth entrap you? Can your mouth put you in bondage? According to this, it can. Look at the 10th chapter, Proverbs 10. We're going to look at a few verses now. This is faith school. 
And there will be a test afterwards. You might say, really? Yeah, in life, you will be tested on this material. (laughs) And whether you fail or pass can make a huge difference. Proverbs 10, 11. 10, says, The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. Glory. You know, people searched all up and down through this area in Florida and Louisiana and everywhere looking for the fountain of life. We just found it. That was weak. <laughs> we just found a well of life. And it was right under our nose. Your mouth. Your mouth. Hallelujah. Skip on down to the 19th verse. In the multitude of words, there woneth not sin. But he that refrains his lips is wise. How many want to be wise? Now, I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit. You will notice that time after time in these verses, the person who does not regard their words as important and significant is called a fool. The person who does see the significance of their words is called wise. So make up your mind right now, which team do you want to be on? Fool team? Or wise team. How many want to be on the fool team? Had a couple of hands in the back. Had about six hands want to be on the fool team. No, this is not a trick question. You don't want to be on the fool team. Because if some bad stuff happens to the fools later on when we keep reading, you don't want to be the fool team. Fool team loses. Let's do this again. How many want to be on the fool team? How many want to be on the wise team? I'm telling you, it's inseparable. The person who doesn't value their words and doesn't control their words is repeatedly called a fool. Let's look at it and see it. But the person who controls their words, is careful with their words, uses their words properly, is called wise. Everybody say, that's me. me. Wise. I used to tell the students all the time, at Ramah, when I was teaching there, they laughed about it and thought it was funny, but I was serious. I'd tell them every morning before class, say it out loud, I'm quick, I'm bright, I'm sharp, I'm good looking, I'm very rich, and a major blessing. That's me, they'd laugh and cut, I'm serious. You know, going to school, you need to believe this. You know, one of the best things my parents ever did for me, I'm eternally thankful for it, is from the time I was old enough to remember, they're telling me, you're smart, you can learn anything, you can do anything you want to do. And man, I just went to school believing I could get it. What a tra- Every child ought to have a right to grow up being told faith things. My parents didn't even understand faith that much, but they just, you know... Put said good things over me. And how sad it is that some people, you know, are telling their kids, you know, I don't know what's wrong with you, boy. You're dumb as a post. How can you be my boy? You're just ignorant. 
Well, whether it's a teacher or a coach or a parent or a friend, if people are told they're dumb and they're slow and they hear it time after time and they begin to believe it and they say it, it will be to them as they think and as they believe and as they say. But thank God when you understand the principle. I've, I've been in a couple of things here recently. I know uh, I made a jump in piloting. From piloting a single engine plane to a, a complex jet instantly. And I went to one of the most renowned flight schools around. And I'm telling you, when I got in the middle of that, it was hello. <laughs> I mean, they got books this big. I mean, you, math. I mean, you, it's, it's a lot of stuff. And I mean, there were times, and they'd load, I was in there with professionals. It's got thousands and thousands of hours. And, and man, I'm Ned in the first reader. And, uh, but I never said that. Experience-wise, I was, but I never said that. And I'm in there, and boy, they're loading me up, and I got an engine on fire, and all my electrical just went, and I got a hydraulic leak, and the weather's bad, and I'm icing up on my wings. And I wanted to say... Stop. Just stop. Quit it. <laughs> it's too, I wanted to, oh man, I had to bite my lip a couple of times. And just say, stop this thing and let me out. <laughs> they put you in these simulators. And once they shut the door, I mean, it's just like the real thing. You don't know about what you're in the real thing. And everything goes wrong. Everything. I mean, it's a nightmare. A couple of guys that were doing it with me, they had thousands of hours, and they were talking about They said, I know what this is. I said, what? They said, it's pilot hell. <laughs> I said, really? They said, yeah. You, you, you die, and you wake up, and you're at the door of the simulator. And it all goes wrong, and it happens over and over and over again. And it felt like that to me. But man, I, you know, and I'd get up at, at five or six in the morning and have to go back up there and crawl in that dark hole again and know everything was going to go wrong. And man, I, my arms are wanting to turn the car and go another way. And I'd say, I can do this. I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And my head would say, I don't know if you can. I'd say, shut up. Shut up. I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. When you're stretched is the most important time that you talk right. Hallelujah. When you're the most, I mean, there'll be times you're so tempted. I mean, you have to bite your lip to keep from saying, mm, I just don't think we can do this. Shut up. Shut up. You're about to blow the whole thing. Your words. That's why we don't just need to be quick to just say a bunch of things that cross our mind. We need to be in control. He says, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. That's a strong statement. How many think it's a bad thing to be sinning all the time? People think about certain things as sin, but then they categorize it. Well, you know, if I messed up with my mouth a little bit, I don't know that it'd be that bad. Well, it is. The Bible tells us in Matthew that, uh, you know, every idle word we'll have to give an account of. That's pretty serious. Why? Because idle words can be used negatively. What do you mean? Things that you just say and don't think about. How many times have people's feelings been hurt? 
People have been hurting and, and wounded in some ways by people just spouting off the mouth. And, and, and later on they say, oh, you know, I, I didn't mean that. I, you know. Yeah, but you said it. And it had an impact and it had an effect. And who said it? You did. So who's responsible for its effects? You are. Whether you meant it or whether you didn't, words are powerful things for good or for evil. And so we're responsible for them, for what comes out of our mouth. Listen to these uh, other translations. One says, in speaking much, you cannot avoid sin. But if you're sparing of your lips, you're wise. That's the Septuagint. Another one says, where there is much talk, there will be no end to sin. But he who keeps his mouth shut does wisely. Uh, in Ecclesiastes 5, 2 and 3, let me read, don't turn there, but just listen. Ecclesiastes 5, 2 and 3 says, don't be rash with your mouth. Don't let your heart be in a hurry to utter things before God. For God's in heaven and you're on the earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes through the multitude of business and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. Now, according to these scriptures, we just stopped right here. If you hear this, yak, 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 what do you know? Fool. I didn't say it. I didn't write it. But whoever it is, right? Let me go over that real slow. Again. Why? Why is that? Because if you're always, if everything that crosses your mind, you spit it out, you're going to say things you shouldn't say. Do you understand that the devil is not what he's cracked himself up to be? He can't just come in and tear up a family. He can't just come in and tear up a church. He's got to have somebody to yield to him. You understand? In this church, if nobody in the church, nobody would yield their mouth to him or their hands to him or any part of their life. It'd be like he's on the other side of a plate glass looking in. He wants to do something, but he's got no outlet. Somebody's got to yield to him. But the the, the problem is, he's not having a hard time finding people. (laughs) There's all kind of people that if it crosses their mind, they'll spit it out and think about it later. And so because of that, the enemy is getting said what he wants said. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most grievous things to realize that you have expressed utterances of the devil. He brought thoughts to your mind and you spoke them out into this realm where others could hear them and be impacted and affected by them. You know, I don't raise your hand, but, but probably everyone has had times you said stuff and later realized, I shouldn't have said that. And the devil used it. So, and we're responsible for it. How we ought to watch. That's why in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. Well, somebody, you know, what, what do people talk about so much? That you're just talking, 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 all the time. Well, what's this? This is my, my observation. That the two favorite subjects... Of the carnal, unrenewed mind. My problems 
And number two, your faults. <laughs> you analyze it. When people are just motoring, you know, just talking, talking, talking. Listen, it'll, it'll be about their problems, usually, and about somebody else's faults. And I understand that that would be sin because, you know, to him that knows to do good and does it not is sin. To talk against people and hurt them with words is sin. And to talk unbelief. Hallelujah. What the scriptures say, Romans 14, 23, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So you can see that. And you understand one of the greatest things you ever did for another person is talk faith over them. Even if they're not acting right and doing good, talk faith over them. And you understand you cannot be a proper prayer of faith and then talk negatively about what you prayed about. Cannot be. If you prayed for somebody, then you can't gossip about them. Or else why your praying is negated. You didn't believe what you prayed. But how wonderful it is. How many would like to know that even if you wasn't doing everything perfect, that somebody was talking faith over you? Would that make you feel good? Hallelujah. A lot of times mothers will do some of this or grandmothers. But it ought not just be a couple of people. We ought to all be that way. If somebody comes and tells us, you know, well, so-and-so, I heard they messed up. And you just pipe up and say, yeah, but I believe they're a good man. I've prayed for him and God's heard my prayer. He's dealing with them. He's strengthening them. Like Jesus, when he talked to Peter, you remember that? He looked at him. He told him he was going to deny him. He said, Satan has desired to have you. He said, but I prayed for you. And when, not if, when you're converted, strengthen your brother. I mean, he's talking faith over him. In line with what he's prayed. What if all of us did that over each other? Somebody come to us and try to talk bad about one of our fellow ministers or a fellow ministry or church or fellow Christian. And we just look at them with a blank look and go, let me tell you, we've prayed about that situation. And in Jesus' name, God's dealing with them. And they're seeing the light right now. And they're getting stronger every day. And we're saying over them, they're going to make it. Wouldn't that make a difference? I'm telling you, you can feel that. You can sense that when people are doing that. And you can sense it when people are against you, talking against you. Now, that doesn't mean just because they don't believe in you, don't mean you have to fail. You can talk faith and make it anyway. But, man, it's wonderful when you can just sense. Hallelujah. People are speaking faith all around about you. When you say, I'm going to make it, and 10,000 people jump up and say, you're right. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, it's a force to be dealt with. It's a force to be reckoned with. Let's keep reading. This is the 10th chapter. Keep going. In the 12th chapter. This is, now, this is not an exhaustive list by any means. Chapter 12 and verse 6. The words of the wicked are to lie in wait for blood. But the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. A lot of people looking for deliverance. It's close as your, as your heart and as your mouth. Is it true that you can get delivered through your own mouth? Absolutely. Could you be delivered from habits? Could you be delivered from things that have nagged you and plagued you? Chronic problems? Yes, deliverance is in your mouth. The mouth of the upright shall deliver them. Verse 14. 14. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. 
and the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. Listen to this translation. The Moffat says, a man reaps the result of all his words. That's the Moffat's. Skip down to the 18th verse of this same 12th chapter, 12:18. There is that speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Health, hallelujah. You like that? Listen to these other translations. One says, some wound as they speak, like swords. But the tongues of the wise heal. Now did you notice that? He didn't just say the tongue of the wise is like healing. What did he say? It is health. Glory to God. Can we speak healing into a situation? Just just as real and more real and more powerful than any pill that was ever swallowed or any injection that was ever given. A faith-filled, love-filled word ministers health to your own body, to your family. I mean, you know, uh, what's the word I forget for, for people that study plants and stuff? I mean, they, it's a wide consensus that people agree that talking to your plants is good for them. You go, you're a pretty flower. You're a nice, healthy rose. You're a beautiful rose and you're doing so good. Well, and you got people that'll talk to their plants and scoff at confession. I know uh, we had, uh, you know, we got a little dog. Because I've always had big dogs, you know. Uh, Dobermans and Rottweilers and what have you. But Phyllis got a little dog. And... Uh, this little dog named Mandy, and, uh, and from the time we got her, she was this big, we've been saying over her, she's a good little dog. Mandy's a good little dog. And everybody that comes by, you know, they're not there two or three hours ago, well, it's a good little dog. <laughs> well, there was one that lived next door, and Phyllis named him Yappy Doodle. Because this was a yapping this little mutt. I mean, just yap, 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 yap. And, and she kept saying, that little yappy dog, that little yappy doodle. And I told her after a while, he ain't got no choice. <laughs> <laughs> He's been decreed. Yeah, you can see him sometimes. He's standing out there just going, <laughs> he don't know why. He's barking. He just got to bark. <laughs> Because people had faith, had decreed that he was Yappy Doodle, and he had no choice but to yap. (laughs) I'm telling you, things like this are happening all around us, and people still think it's, "Mm, well, it's kind of funny, it's a joke. No, it's happening. It's reality. It's really happening. And the more we believe it and the more we focus it and control it, the more we'll see pronounced and quick results. Hallelujah for the wise. He goes on to say another translation. It says, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Now, 
in uh, Psalm 64, you don't have to turn there, but the psalmist by the Spirit compares words to arrows. You'll see more than one reference of this. Words are compared to arrows. And it is, uh, of course, from the Bible, a perfect illustration. Anybody know what a bow and arrow is? I'm sure you do. I know a while back a guy gave me this this compound bow. Well, I'm not much of a hunter, but he wanted me to have it. And boy, some of these things, I mean, they're lethal, buddy. I mean, I mean, you being shot with one of these things is like being shot with a gun. And uh, I mean, you can't be a wimp and use them either. I mean, you got you grab a hold of this thing and you have to really get with it to get that thing back. And these arrows are these, you know, uh, multi-sided razors. I mean, this is a lethal thing. But as long as you got your hand on that string, you're in control. You can decide to release it, not fire it. But once you turn loose of that string, it's out of your control. Is that right? You can't say, uh, oops, whoa, whoa, come back. It's, it's gone. Hmm? And that's the way it is, words that are in your mind and in your thinking. Words that you're pondering. You still got your hand on the string. You're in control. But once you've released it, it's going to find a mark some way. For good or for evil. And then you're the one that fired it, so you're the one responsible. What if I came in here this morning with my compound bow and my razor arrows? And I come in here and said, man, I'll tell you what, I'm fed up with this and that. I'm mad. I'm just so mad. I'm just so mad. I'm just so mad. I pull out some arrows and just start shooting. And just start shooting. And I'm shooting arrows. And I, and I stop and I look and I go, oh. Because people are sitting there with an arrow stuck in them. They go, oh. And I go, oh, man, I'm sorry. And it's that way when people get mad and they just spout off at the mouth and just spout off and say all kinds of things. Then they cool off and go, well, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have run off like that. You know, I'm, I didn't mean any of it. But people are sitting there going, oh, <laughs> There is that speaks like the piercing of a sword. It's like sticking somebody with a knife. Anybody said any, something that, that hurt you? We don't have to have any testimonies now, but I said, has anybody ever said anything that hurt you? I don't care how strong you think you are. I don't care how much faith you think you are. The enemy has a way of influencing things. Sometimes people don't have it. They don't even know what they're talking about, but they said it. And man, it was just at the wrong time and it caught you the wrong way. And you're going, oh, man. In the ministry, especially the more people see you and know about you, there's, you know, more opportunity for people to let you know what they think. And I've gotten letters that are not complimentary. <laughs> and uh, I've gotten letters that started out bad and went, went from, from there to terrible. I mean, letters like this. I mean, you are a, a blight to the body of Christ. The body would be much better off if you would get out of the ministry. You're just hurting people. 
and stuff like this. And I'm understand the devil knows what day you need to get this letter on. <laughs> when you're dealing with 12 other things, <laughs> you're up to here believing for finances. <laughs> Some of your relatives are acting like heathens and everything else. And then you get this. He knows how to time it. And you, we need to be strong enough that we don't just fold when anything comes along. But at the same time, let's turn the tables. Let's purpose we're not going to be on the sending end of any of this stuff that the enemy could use to hurt people. We're not in the stabbing business. We're not in the piercing business. We're in the healing business. We're going to speak words that will heal you up and edify you and help you. Amen. That's what people need. And sometimes it doesn't have to be any elaborate thing. You can just put your hand on somebody's shoulder and say, we believe in you. And mean it. We believe in you. We're, we're, we're behind you. We're supporting you. Believing for you to go over big. Amen. And just, and just say something about seeing value in somebody. Somebody said, well, they, they, they've heard it five times before. They ain't heard it from you. And it's a difference. Hmm? A lot of these things that, you know, bad things that we think, don't say them. Good things that you think, what? Say them. That may be oversimple, but it's true. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's keep going. Look down in the 25th verse of the same 12th chapter. Proverbs 12, 25, it says, Heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop, but a good word makes it glad. One says, Anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. The living says a word of encouragement does wonders. How many believe that? Said out loud, I am an encourager. Of the brethren. brethren. Hallelujah. At the 13th chapter. Let's read a few more here. 13. 2. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. But the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. He that keeps his mouth. Keeps his life. But he that opens wide his lips. Shall have destruction. Let me read this from another translation. One says, he who guards his lips guards his life. But he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. The living says, a quick retort can ruin everything. There are numerous times that there are situations that are are very important in life. And what we say... Is going to determine the way the thing goes. We don't need to be quick to just say something off the top of our head. Or judge according to sight. But to judge righteous judgment. And to ponder. You know there were times when Jesus was under pressure. He didn't say anything right then. You know when the, the, the scribes and the doctors of the law came. And they're pressuring him about the woman caught in the act of adultery. What do you say? Moses and the law says stoner. What do you say? He just bent down and started writing. Didn't respond. Until, apparently, he got what he needed to say, 
And it was the perfect. God, they thought they had him any way he went. But the wisdom of God came in. Hallelujah. And he stood up and said, well, the one that's, you know, without sin among you, you throw the first rock. And then just bent down and started writing again. There's wisdom of God for us in every circumstance if we won't be too hasty to just make a decision. Amen. If you don't know, if you're not sure, just don't say anything. Let's keep going. In the 14th chapter. And the 23rd verse. In all labor there is profit. But the talk of the lips tends only to penury. The New King James says, idle chatter leads only to poverty. Can you talk yourself into poverty? Then could you talk yourself into prosperity? There you can. I mean, you know, there's people all the time say, well, we're poor. But we're proud. (laughs) Well, God will deliver you from both conditions. (laughs) If you'll repent. (laughs) Proud of being poor and proud of being proud. Bad combination. People talk poverty. Talk lack. Oh, everything's so high and we just don't make much and... It's just, you know, just kind of tight. And, you know, wish it was like in the good old days. All this kind of stuff. Looking back. The Bible says, don't, don't say. Ecclesiastes says, don't say. What's the cause that the former days were better than these? He said, don't say that. Why? Because if you believe, if you have faith and you have vision, you believe the best is in front of you. Amen. Amen. As good as it's been and as good as it is. You're excited about the rest of the day and tonight and tomorrow because you know God never peaks. He never has to do reruns. He's always got more. He's always got greater. He's always got better. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's keep going. 15th chapter. Man, my time has gotten away here. 15.4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. The knock says, the tongue that speaks peaceably is a tree whose fruit gives life. The tongue undisciplined can break hearts. That's strong, isn't it? Listen to the Living Bible. Gentle words cause life and health. You know, words are containers. And it's whatever we put in them. And and you can use the same designation of letters and put different things in them. Just the word hello, H-E-L-L-O, letters grouped together in a string. What does it mean? You can put all kinds of things in that. You can go, hello, hello. Well, hello. Hello. You can put everything from resentment to joy. Is that right? You, and it's up to you what you put in there. What you put in the words. Our words are to be chock full, packed with faith 
and love and grace and healing and goodness. Amen. Until after a while, people just want to sit down around you and say, say something. <laughs> just about what? Just talk. Just, just talk. Hallelujah. What are you putting in your words? You, you, I mean, you, you can put things, you know, you don't have to talk a lot or extend it about it, but just have peace. Remember the, the Lord told his disciples when they went into a place, say peace to this place. And if the son of peace was there, somebody that was receptive and open to it, the peace would rest on them and come on them. Is this, I mean, this is tangible. This is real. We're talking about walking into a place and changing the atmosphere with a sentence. I know, you know, we, uh, we, we're traveling some private now, but uh, traveled a lot, a lot of hours on, on commercial. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. I've even seen preachers act like heathens at the check-in stands. Just chew on people and demand what, you know, you got to do this for me. Do you know who I am? A lot of times you can look at them like, No. <laughs> You see that expression in their face? And just chew on people and, and, and be mean to them. And even if you don't, you know, use wrong words, what are you putting in your words? That you're so, so short with people. How much do people talk about, I'm in the ministry. What's ministry about? Ministering to people. Well, there's a people behind that stand. There's people at your house. Some people think it's got to be somebody else somewhere. They've got to be grouped together in an auditorium away from home. <laughs> no. And, and people are ruining their witness. I've seen them. And I, I guess you know, I've seen people that, you know, they, they just were so ugly and so rude to people. Ministers. And I guess they saw I didn't approve it. I didn't say anything, but they could probably see it in my face. And they said, well, you know, maybe I was a little curt with them, a little terse. But, you know, that's just my anointing. I have a prophetic anointing on me. And I'm just, I'm thinking, oh, man. No, that's the rude anointing. They got nothing to do with God. Rude, crude, uncouth, no manners. No patience. And watch this. When you're putting pressure on people, you are not in faith. I said, you are not in faith. If you're believing God, you're looking to him to straighten it out for you, which means you're not going to be pressuring and tightening down on them. I don't know at the time we, you know, in traveling, you know, maybe all the flights were canceled or something and there's weather and I mean, the whole area is packed full of people. A lot of you, you've been in situations like that. I mean, it's a madhouse. And, and people are coming up and chewing on these people behind the stand. I gotta be somewhere. And, you know, everybody's got to be somewhere. And we find, you know, first thing we do is pray. Now, you should have prayed before time. And we do that. But then, you know, Lord, work this thing out for us. We're believing you too. And then get in faith. And then, you know, walk up. I remember one time we came up to the stand and this lady, she looked like this poster I saw one time. You know, this is kind of this caricature and this hair was sticking up everywhere and eyes bloodshot. And the caption said, I got one nerve left and you're on it. 
she kind of looked like that. And I stepped up, and they, Phyllis and I stepped up, and she said, what? <laughs> and the people are just being so mean to them. Well, now, what we say in the next few seconds is going to either minister some more frustration or vexation or anxiety, or if we've got some peace, hallelujah, and some life. What's more important, our flight or this soul? Don't lose sight of it. Don't mean you've got to preach them a message, but you need to be a witness. And, you know, we've already prayed, so we smile and we go, well, you know, we know you've got a lot of stuff going. Uh, could you check this for us? Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I could put you on this, and then you could get on this, and you'll be there at the same time that you were supposed to. He said, thank you. <laughs> I remember one time we were in a situation like that and, and Phyllis was nice to the person that was uh, you know, handling it and the person before him I mean they had treated them like dirt just chewed them out and, and Phyllis walked up and just treated them nice called them sir ministered some peace to them amen how many understand you can just look at people with peace in your face there can be peace in your voice and in a situation like that, people need it. And this guy looked at her and said, where's your bags at? So well, we've got a couple over here. Follow me. He put up a little sign. I mean, there were people everywhere. It was a madhouse. And he said, come follow me. And we just followed him. And he took us in some private areas and behind the scene and opened some doors and took us right on the plane, first class. Set us down. He said, that lady before that was so mean, she didn't know. I could help her or I could hurt her. I know one time I, I had a car that needed to be worked on and I took it in and it was about, oh, I don't know, 5.30 or something. A lot of people were getting off picking up their stuff. And I mean, it was a madhouse. And, and the guys that were in the you know blue uniforms, the techs, mechanics, uh, some of these people that were in these suits, they were treating these guys like dirt. I mean, just talking down to them and, you know, hey, boy, do this. And, hey, I ain't got time to fool with you. Where's my car? And just being so, so rough. And I finally got to one of them and I said, uh, I looked at him, he had his name on the, on the front there. I said, Mr. So-and-so. When I said that, he brightened up, acted like he, acted like he hadn't heard that in a while. <laughs> Mr. Tim or whatever it was, I said, uh, I can see you're really busy and I don't want to add to your problems. I said, uh, I've got something that needs to be done, but do you need me to come back another time? Or He said, uh, what's, your, what's your situation? And I told him, he said, where's it at? I said, it's right over there. He said, uh, bring it in right now. <laughs> I mean, the guys looked daggers at me everywhere. And he pr- brought mine in, pulled it ahead of everybody. I didn't ask him to do that. I didn't stick any money in. Just treated him like a human being. Amen. And ministered some peace to him. Acted like he was more important than my car. What's more important? Machines or people? Buildings or people? Hmm? Let's not lose sight of it. People are what it's all about. And if we're treating people badly on our way to supposed ministry, we are confused. We are deceived. We are missing the mark. 
And one of the primary ways that you minister to people is just when you open your mouth. When you open your mouth, how you speak to them, what you say, kind words, pleasant words. Skip on down to, where where are you at now? 15 or 14? Let me give you this one and we'll close. 16. 21. The wise in heart shall be called prudent. And the sweetness of the lips increases learning. This is 1621. Did you hear that last phrase? The sweetness of the lips increases learning. Skip down to verse 24. Pleasant words are as an honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Hallelujah. You know, you can say the same thing any number of different ways. I've heard preachers get up and rant and rave and just be so harsh and be so hard and say, well, you know, it's just my job to tell people the truth. I just lay it out. If they don't like it, it's their problem because it's just my job to tell them the truth. They can do what they want to with it. Wrong. I said wrong. It's not just our job to give people the truth. It's our job to give the people the truth in Love, speaking the truth in love so we can all grow up in Him. How you do it makes a big difference. And I'm telling you, whether you're talking one-on-one with somebody or your spouse or your children or, or people on the job or in the church, it doesn't need to come across like, you guys need to do this and you need to do that and y'all need to straighten up because we're all in this thing together. And what applies to them applies to you. It needs to be a lot of we and us. Amen? Amen. And when you're unnecessarily hard and harsh, according to this, it decreases learning. The sweetness of the lips. Everybody say, be nice. The sweetness of the lips increases learning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't cost any more to be kind, to be nice. We've all made mistakes in these areas, but at least let's be putting forth an effort to be this way. Amen. And when we, if we fall short of it, you know, don't make it, don't make excuses for it. Well, that's just my anointing. No, it's not. It's just your carnality. It's just your impatience. It's just your fleshiness. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing and health to the bones. Stand up, why don't you? Oh, bless you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.